The body of Christ has many parts, and each part has a spiritual gift. Christian worship has changed over the years, to say the least. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 covers two aspects of it, and chapter 12 covers an important explanation regarding spiritual gifts. First, keep in mind the culture of the people that Paul was addressing, Greek former pagans. The reason for Paul writing the letter was that they were arguing over head coverings. They also complained about people pigging out at the Lord's Supper. They also argued about who got which spiritual gifts. Well, let's go through both of these chapters, then I'll highlight some key points. Starting with 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, and Paul writes, And you should imitate me, just as I imitate Christ. Gee, that's simple enough. Imitate Christ. What a concept. Maybe I should stop there, but I'll go on. Instructions for public worship, verse 2. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for a man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and women, woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for, for woman, but woman was made for man. For this reason, because the angels are watching, and women should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, and every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. Order at the Lord's Supper, verse 17. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. 
For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other, other matters after I arrive. That's 1 Corinthians 11. Now, I remember as a little girl going to the Catholic Church, I always had to wear a hat or a veil or a doily on my head. Then at some point, it wasn't necessary anymore. Paul was talking to the culture of that time and place, but it seemed that the Catholic Church took it literally. A man had to take his hat off, and a woman had to put one on before entering the church. Fast forward to the 90s, when I attended the Progressive Church in Miami and later in Melbourne, Florida. We had Wednesday night potlucks. Those were fun. For a single gal like me, it was enjoying a meal with my church family. There was always a lot of good homemade and store-bought food. And oddly enough, there was an even amount of salads, main courses, sides, and desserts. More than enough for everyone. When Paul speaks, uh, what Paul speaks about here is partaking in the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, not the Eucharist, quote-unquote. Most of the Protestant churches I've attended passed out the elements and then waited till everyone was served so we could take the bread and wine together. And the pastor repeats what Paul wrote here in remembrance of Jesus. However, I want to point out Paul's first line, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. In that one line, Paul is telling us how we should live. We must strive to be Christ-like. And we can, with the help of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, working to sanctify each of us born-again believers. Continuing in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul writes, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. Those are statues made of wood and plaster. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is a source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. One body, many parts. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. If, it, if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard are less honorable, um, as less honorable of those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, and those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all.
Interesting how he ends chapter 12 just like that because chapter 13 is coming. That's the love chapter and we'll hit that one tomorrow. So subscribe so you don't miss out. But when do you get your spiritual gifts? Once you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you repent of your sins, are baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit in your heart, the Spirit that gives you your gift as he sees fit. Not everyone will get more than one gift. Some people may have many. Others will be strong in some and weak in others. And if you click on over to my blog, you can actually take a spiritual gifts assessment. It's free. There's a link to it in my blog. It's towards the bottom. Answer the questions honestly. I just redid mine and I came up with faith and prophecy tied for first place. Knowledge is number two. Giving and teaching tied for third. And then evangelism and leadership. That really makes sense considering what I'm doing with this blog and podcast. I've certainly grown in my faith. Moreover, I truly believe in the Acts 2 church where Peter said in Acts 2 verse 17 through 20, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Yes, Lord, this daughter is prophesying. I've come a long way from the little girl in her veil, all with God's guidance, mercy, and grace. It's a matter of trusting God, who knows you better than you know yourself. But you have to take the first step and invite him into your heart. Jesus said, told us in Revelation 3.20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Potluck. Yes. <laughs> but you have to invite him in. He's not going to open the door and force himself into your life. You have to invite him in. So if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, this is what you have to do. You have to invite Jesus into your heart. If you're not sure how to do that, there's a prayer in the show notes or you can click on over to my blog and click how to invite Jesus into your heart. And at the bottom of my blog, I I searched and I found a really special worship song that we used to, uh, we, I learned this um, in my church in, in Miami. I have to admit, progressive church or not, we did sing a lot of the, the old hymns because um, this was before the, you know, the, the modern contemporary music was popular, but it's, it's in remembrance of me and it's just a beautiful worship song. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. So click on over to my blog. Um, the link is in the show notes and you know, it's all about Jesus. So, you know, imitate Jesus. That's what we're here for. Solidero Gloria to God alone be the glory.
Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and my hope is to show you how to have a personal relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that salvation is through Christ alone by the free gift of God's grace. Friends, we are living in the last days, and Jesus is coming back soon. You need to be ready. And the only way to do that is to listen to the Word of God and invite Him into your heart. I pray that as you hear this message, it will encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Seek the truth. Ask God to open your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what His Spirit is trying to tell you. The episode will begin after a short message. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times, but know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory.